0: You want to give a sound effect?
1: Uh, I don't know that I can do that. (laughs) Like,
0: (laughs) brink, brink.
1: No, this was just a... a, No, this was... You didn't have ringtones. You just had a straight... Like a ring. No, no. Ring, 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 ring. Ring, 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 ring. Like an old-time phone. Okay. That's the way it was. Okay.
0: Hey, I made you do it. I made you do the sound effect. All right, you got me. and welcome to another Learn By Doing Podcast. I'm your host, my name is Sue Brooks, and today I have a very special guest named Dr. Tim Myers. Hello, how are you? Hi,
1: Sue. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here today.
0: You're welcome, and thank you for coming out. I appreciate it.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: Yeah, so you are at Sagu.
1: Yes, I'm director of the Counseling Center at Southwestern Assembly of God University Mm -hmm. and uh, also on the faculty. I teach classes as well as be the director of the Counseling Center.
0: Okay, this is a fascinating thing that you do,
1: in my opinion. It is. Yeah, it's crazy how I ended up here, but here I am, although uh, my time is short now, so my retirement date is next month.
0: It is? Yes. Well, good thing we got you here when we did. I didn't know that. You can't leave me or surprise, us. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Well, wow. it's,
1: it's been in the works for almost a year. So.
0: Oh, yeah. You plan those things out, right? You don't just one day up and say, I'm done. Well, maybe some people do. Yes, but, I yeah. suppose, but right, th- right. that's not the way it happened for
1: me. But <laughs> not usually. Uh, I came here in 2001. And okay. when I came here, I came as a counselor and on the faculty. Mm-hmm. and was here for three years and at that time the the director the current director when I came uh, got sick and took a medical retirement mm-hmm. uh, flowing out of that then I I became the director of the counseling center actually I tell everybody she turned her back I seized power and she was gone oh
0: my goodness <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so that's how that is only okay. kidding
1: dr. Doyle only kidding <laughs> <laughs> a little disclaimer oh man yes yes so. all right
0: so that's how you're here mm-hmm. i joked with uh, dr. Espinoza he was on a little while back mm-hmm. and um because i'm currently taking a class with you yes you uh, are pastoral counseling and what i told espinoza is what i will tell you i think you have have fantastic office hours now i'm distance ed mm-hmm. uh, but i do live locally so I really have the ability, although I'm distant, said to meet my professors. Um, you have great hours. I just can't get in to see you. And this is just really my tactic to get you here so we can talk. Uh, <laughs> so we can talk. Yes,
2: yes. Of course,
0: that's not true. I really value your information. <laughs> and we want everybody to hear uh, your wisdom and your knowledge. But isn't it funny how that works out? Caught you just in time. You did. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes.
1: So it's it must be a God thing.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. He's so good. Well, okay. So. Here's something interesting. I don't know very many people named Sue or Susan. However, your wife is named Sue. Is My wife's right? name is Sue, and yes. Does she, go, she goes by Sue? Sue. Is mm-hmm. it Susan or no, Suzanne? No, Sue. It's actually her name is just Sue. Sue. Yes. <gasps> I don't think I've ever met a, ju- like not a just yeah. Sue, but a just a police <laughs> Sue. <laughs>
1: well, her, that's her middle name. Her first name, she doesn't go by. Oh,
0: I see. So okay. her second she name goes by is, her middle name. yes. Oh, great. I like it. Yeah. I like that name. It's always fun to see. Anytime I meet someone with the name Susan or Sue, I say, There aren't many of us around. <laughs> it's like congratulations to us, let's have a party. Yay. And it's usually at a register in a store <laughs> or like we're hugging next at church. I'm like, we're best friends. Yes. Names are That's Sue. a great
1: way to connect with people.
0: Name I yes. like your name. Yes. Yeah, happens to be mine, so I might be a little narcissistic. <laughs> However, I do like your name and our parents' choices. Yes. I do like that yes. very much. So so you have not always been in the area of. Though. you've not always been at SAGU. You no know
1: um, I grew up in Maryland and actually the when I graduated from high school I went to the University of Maryland mm-hmm. I was a math major and trying to s- decide physics or chemistry as my minor Wow and I did so well that first year at college that they invited me not to come back
0: I, w- I was gonna say I feel a joke coming yes yeah, so so, okay. it's not a joke I hey, well and and yeah and You did so well. That was
1: during (laughs) Vietnam, and so I was going to be drafted because I lost my student deferment. Mm -hmm. And uh, the background of my family, my mother's family, is Marines. And so I walked into the recruiting office of the Marine Corps and joined the Marines. And so went into the Marine Corps. I was in for four years.
0: Did you go ahead and join before Before being drafted? Correct. Okay. Correct. You're like, no, I'm going to get there first. Yes, I'll, I'll go ahead and join. I him. don't want
1: to be in the army.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That was, that was not something in my family that we, we don't do that.
0: Right, right. You were a Marine family. I know. Well, you yeah. know, my dad uh, was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Actually, I had one brother join the Navy, but one joined the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. So it didn't it wasn't that strong. But yeah, uh, yeah but no, I get it though. Usually, there's a loyalty with the service yeah. that you're, yeah. the branch that you're. Well,
1: in. See, I, I grew up in Annapolis.
0: That's a beautiful. Right place. across.
1: From the Naval Academy oh, when we first moved there. One
0: of my best friends got married there. And so, yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's amazing. So, you know,
0: I'm East Coast, too. I'm yes. from Virginia. I grew up in Virginia Beach. So that area mm-hmm. I'm familiar with is so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you grew but, up right by in But that. I, I grew wow. up in
1: an unchurched family. Okay. And so I wasn't a Christian. Uh, I would have been categorized as a typical Marine with all the negatives that go with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, my life was in... In a mess, going down the tubes, um, headed to hell yeah. in a handbasket, um, and one of the guys in my uh, that was working with me, uh, his cousin he he got engaged to his cousin's roommate. Okay, and. He wanted her to come down, we are in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina, they were in DC, to uh, look for apartments. And she didn't want to come down by herself, so she asked his cousin if she would go down with her. And the cousin didn't want to be a sore thumb and said, you have to get me a date if I come. Mm-hmm. So he asked me, would I, would I go out on a blind date? And I said, uh, sure, that's fine. And he gave me the date and all Friday, and and I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. I haven't heard from him. Uh And so I'm like, okay, it it didn't work out, and that's fine. So I'm going from the base into Jacksonville with a couple of friends of mine, and he's coming in the opposite direction, sees my car, turns around and pulls me over, and jumps out and says, you've got to come with me. She's here, and she's going to kill me if you don't come, because I promised that she would have a date if she came here. Mm-hmm. and so I said well okay and I gave my car keys and so I had my first date with Sue
0: <gasps> I was going to say I bet it's Sue yes, and, yes, it, yes. and it was Yes. how fun so
1: we, we start, started making connection and uh, moving in a direction and it was uh, Memorial Weekend 1971 and sh- she's a PK and realized that I'm not a Christian. And so she writes me a Dear John mm-hmm. and mails it. And I'm on the way to D.C. My parents are in Annapolis. And so, you know, I would go up there with, with her cousin, uh, ride with him. So I'm going up to have a four-day weekend and hang out with her for, the, for most of the weekend. So I get up there, and she's not there, so I go home. And mm-hmm. uh, my best friend growing up, Um, He and I did everything together except date the same girls because we knew if we did that, we wouldn't be friends anymore. so nice of you guys. So we (laughs) we just tried to minimize that. But he he went in the Marine Corps at the same time I did, was on the West Coast. While he was there, he got busted for drugs and Mm -hmm. thrown into jail Mm -hmm. and got saved. He got saved while he was in in, in In jail. jail. yeah. And so he he gets kicked out of the Marine Corps because of the drug situation Mm -hmm. and he comes back gunning for me. Mm-hmm. And to make a long story short, over that weekend, I make a commitment to Christ. Wow. So I get back to the base, and I, uh, I'm i going to call her after work. I get mail, and I read the letter. Mm-hmm. And in the letter, she says, I'm sorry, but we're getting too serious, and I can't do this. You're not a Christian. Therefore, we can't move forward in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh, isn't this interesting? hmm so I call her and I say, well, I don't know how to tell you this, but I became a Christian over the weekend. And she freaks out. You know, it's like, "Whoa!"
0: So she was excited? Did she, did she oh, believe yeah. you? Or did she oh, yeah. say, ah, you just no, read my she, letter. No, no, she, believed she you. could tell. Oh, okay, okay.
1: In my demeanor and yeah. everything. Cause you,
0: there was, a cha- there was it, an actual change. Oh, it was
1: powerful. The encounter that I had with Jesus was profound. Mm-hmm. I, I, One minute I was lost in confused and not sure God was real and then he showed up and just like that the the power of God came in and oh, everything wow. changed
0: this was a genuine it genuine was, thing yeah, that it, really really happened and, and yeah. it
1: was I, it was important I think because um for her family's sake I didn't get I didn't become a Christian to get her yes there were a number of people in the, in her church and and that kind of thing that thought that I was tricking her because all I wanted was her body and that kind of thing and the answer is um, yeah I, I did want that <laughs> Not gonna well, lie. my wife you know <laughs> yes. it's like come on yeah that's part of marriage right, but, right. <laughs> but that wasn't the reason that I was uh, uh, wanting to marry her right and so uh, the next weekend I was back up there and and so I said well I guess now we, we should probably get married and I got down on a knee and said, Would you marry me? And she said, Oh, yes, I will. And so in October, we were married.
0: My goodness.
1: So it was quick.
0: Yes. By the way, um, Brian and I have an October anniversary too. So we have many fun connections ours, so far.
1: Ours is the 23rd.
0: Oh, ours is the 4th.
1: And ours was 48 years.
0: <gasps> ours was not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but we have something to look forward to <laughs>
2: yes
1: yes what a
0: beautiful story yeah so. i love that
1: and 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 then moving forward uh uh i received a calling into ministry and so i'm in north carolina so i go to southeastern and graduate from there
0: oh were you still in the marine Corps at this time oh or? yeah okay i so you had were... t-
1: two more years to go
0: okay so you went to school and you were in the Marine Corps. Well, I,
1: I went, no, I went to, I got out of the Marine Corps and went to school. I see. Okay. So I actually went to Florida to okay. Southeastern. Okay. And uh, got my uh, degree in uh, pre-seminary mm-hmm. uh, and went, then came to Fort Worth and went through, uh, got my Master of Divinity at Texas Christian University. And while I was there, I was working in a local church and also then in Chi Alpha ministry. At that time, Chi Alpha was, under youth department and not home missions. Okay. And so there was no way to be able to uh, raise funds beyond the mercy of people who would,
2: and I had a wife
1: and two kids at that time. Yeah. And so uh, I realized that um, this isn't doable given my family situation. Mm And so we were looking for a change. Uh, we were actually going to Bethel Temple in Fort Worth. John Wilkerson was the pastor. Okay. And he went to North Dakota to do a, a um, missions convention for a pastor who had just moved there from Wisconsin. John came from Wisconsin down to Fort Worth and uh, mentioned my name. And so then one thing led to another, and we went to Minot, North Dakota in pastoral ministry. I went as youth and assistant. Okay, and uh, we were there 17 and a half years. Wow. And the, the senior pastor and I, we were like breaking records all the time for longevity.
0: Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that's a long uh, and, time.
1: And, you know, it, I mean, it's cold. We're talking about having cold weather here, but this is like.
0: Oh, I don't even want to. This is about spring it. there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I This mean, is spring there.
1: I'll just uh, look at North Dakota in pictures. Yeah, <laughs> Well, the, the coldest air temperature I was aware of was 42 degrees below zero. Oh, my. Not counting the wind chill, but regularly it would be 20 or 30 degrees Ouch. below. And Minot, once or twice a, in the wintertime is the coldest place in the United States. But given that, it was a wonderful place to grow and develop and mature in ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so thankful for the years that I had there. And it's interesting, longevity is, a, is an important piece of the puzzle mm. because the longer you're there, the more credibility you have, the more people trust you, the more people are looking for opportunities for you to be involved in their lives. And because the senior pastor that I worked with was a hermit, I mean, he was introvert, strong, mm-hmm. I became the church pastoral volunteer for anything and everything in the community. Really? So we wanted to start a Youth for Christ in the high school, and so I became uh, part of the committee that that brought Youth for Christ in, and I was on the board of directors for six years. Uh, North Dakota Sunday School Association wanted uh, a member from our church, because we had a larger church, comparatively speaking. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was on the Sunday School Association board for North Dakota for six years. One year I was president.
0: Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Who would have thought? I mean, that's,
1: that's crazy. Wow. Uh, the, it, it,
0: was that an interdenominational yes. thing too? Okay. Yes. So, wow.
1: It was. Yeah. Really good job. So <laughs> I, you know, all along the way, I had incredible opportunity and experience. Uh, the, the, uh, police department, uh, they had a police chaplain and he left. And so they went to a volunteer situation and I became a police chaplain and I was a police chaplain for 13 and a half years there.
0: I do remember this from uh, an intro lecture that you did. That's very interesting. Yes. Um, I, need experiences? Yeah. Oh it?
1: yeah. At, at that time I carried a pager, th- no cell phones at mm-hmm. that during that time. And I, w- I was on call for two weeks and then I rode with the police. I did training with them and then I did training for them as part of my doctoral process.
0: Okay, so you were at this point, that's what I was wondering, at this point, are you now pursuing your doctoral work then? and
1: Well, I when I got to Minot, I was youth and associate, and then I went from there to be assistant. The okay. youth group and the church grew at a level where when I got there, 80% of my time was youth ministry and 20% was other stuff, and then it went 20% youth ministry and 80% mm-hmm. other stuff. Okay. And at that time, the youth ministry went from five or six kids to 80.
0: It's mm-hmm. a good size. And
1: it's like we can't—we uh, have to have somebody come in and specialize in youth ministry. So mm-hmm. we hired a youth pastor, and I shifted to a associate okay. uh, pastor and funneled into pastoral care and counseling. And so that was my area. But I felt very disqualified or not very qualified mm-hmm. when people would come in and so I went through a three year uh, program through Emerge Ministries uh, in Akron, Ohio mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Richard Dobbins mm-hmm. and three years years—the a week there and then distance ed videos or not videos but audio tapes and books and that kind yes. of thing and uh, went through and passed through that and it gave me help, it was very beneficial but it wasn't I wanted more mm-hmm. and so I was looking for a doctoral program and it, my sense was that I wasn't going to be able to do it at Minot so the next place I went I was gonna that would be part of the negotiation that I would be able to get my doctorate mm-hmm. and some people in the church heard that and they said well you've been here for 10 12 years let's let you have a doctorate and so wow. they gave me time off and paid for my doctoral ministry oh, Wow. So I, I did my doctorate at Eastern Baptist Theological Seminary in marriage and family, because mm-hmm. most of the stuff that I saw coming in was related to marriage and family mm-hmm. counseling. And family systems is very different than the linear of a client coming in. And most of the counseling that you that's out there is that linear piece from a medical model. Mm-hmm. So an LPC, uh, many clinical psychologists they follow that medical model of coming in i diagnose i treat you you go off like as you, you, you as the individual right i do. Really not you. considering no some of no those outside not not factors. the family mm-hmm. now most uh most programs for addiction now if you do outpatient or inpatient treatment they have a family week okay because they recognize that the dyman- dynamics of the family squeeze people's people into molds mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to come out of that mold. I mean, the, the best example is uh, my family is normal and I marry into my wife's family and my wife's family is crazy. Mm-hmm. They're weird and strange and uh, I'm okay. Right. And my wife is like, no, my family is normal and your family is crazy. And so we you have to figure out and negotiate that. But it, it's interesting because... Uh, We lived away from our family one, two or three days drive since we'd been married. But we would go home to visit. And when I stepped in the door, just like that, all the family stuff kicked in. Yes. And my wife is like, I don't know who you are. Who are you? Yes. It's like, (laughs) come on.
0: I've experienced that where I go home and I'm like, why did I just say that? Yeah, yeah. It just comes back on you. And Brian's looking well, at me like, that's not you. Yeah. And I'm like, I know. I don't know but, what happened. I'm but sorry. But it is. It
1: is. I mean, And yet
0: it is. It, yes. See, it is so, because it was... It's was
1: ingrained and it's normal it and, us. and that kind of yeah, thing. And the yeah. and same thing would happen with my wife. I mean, it's like, yeah. who are you? And it would take, you know, a week yeah. for her to get back to who she was without her family influence mm-hmm. and who I am without my family influence. And it's... It, it, it's pretty interesting, and so. But my my doctoral pro process was wonderful and powerful, and uh, so that w- that was great. We stayed two years after that in the in the church, uh, and then f- felt a calling to move into college and and uh, doing teaching. Mm-hmm. I had my doctorate, so I I could teach, and I uh, so a place opened up here for me to be able to come to uh, southwestern. And when I got here, uh, I realized that I probably needed to get a license, hmm.
2: to be mm-hmm. a licensed marriage and mm-hmm.
1: family therapist, which um, when I looked at the requirements, because my degree is a doctor of ministry degree, mm-hmm. uh, licensure boards don't give you credit for a <laughs> yeah. class in integration of theology and psychology. Yeah. That, that's not on their radar. Right. So I started taking classes at Southwestern and one thing led to another and I, I have a master of science degree in counseling psychology from Southwestern. Okay. So uh, but then that, that created an opportunity for me to go ahead and, and apply for license and so I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in Texas now.
0: Great. Is, may I ask, is that part of your retirement as well, or is your retirement just from Sagu?
1: Well, my retirement is from the counseling center. I'll still teach. Okay. Uh, I'll okay. continue to be an adjunct, so I'm, it's kind of semi-retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm uh, I'm probably not going to try to do counseling overtly. You know, get an office and and that kind of thing. Uh, I would like to do some. Uh, uh, enrichment kinds of things uh you know travel and be a blessing to churches and pastors mm-hmm. uh, i went down last month and did a, a north and south austin section had a, a gathering together of ministers and i went down and talked about pastoral counseling there with them oh great and that was really a lot of fun mm-hmm. and i got a lot of positive feedback from being able to do that so mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm open to you know I have more freedom now. As director of the Counseling Center, I'm working 50, 60 hours a week Mm. as a faculty member and all the stuff that I have to do. Right. Uh, Now I'll just be teaching one class on campus Tuesday, Thursday at eight o'clock.
0: All right.
1: (laughs) So I'm gonna (laughs) have more time to be able to do those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. And I'm a lifelong learner, so I still, I've, I've started looking at complex PTSD mm-hmm. and looking at treatment options and helping people with with that. So I'm going to continue. I've got three books that I've bought that I'm going to read. Mm-hmm. I've read two or three already and watched a number of um, uh, seminars and, and podcasts, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So That's really great. Anyway.
0: Well, so you have a, a, an extensive amount of experience with both pastoral care. Without that license, licensure, Correct. but also the that clinical yes. care as well. Mm-hmm. That that's really you have so, that's a neat thing that you do. What have you? And I know you know just from my class with you that. Well, and then just from being where I am, that there there are certain things that pastoral care does that that's very different than clinical care, and yet as pastors sometimes, um, or or just in ministry in general, we're, we're put in the position where counsel is sought for after yes Um, so do you want to talk about that a little bit what I know there are many things that make them different and the same
1: I I think that uh, and one of the things that I do I teach pastoral counseling on campus and one of the things that I do is have a brainstorming session with the class the benefits of a professional counselor and the benefits of a pastoral a pastor who is doing counseling Mm -hmm. and uh, the pastoral advantage is significant and positive uh, obviously we're coming from a theological perspective so we have God and the and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and and the power of being born again mm-hmm. and the difference that that makes or can make for people in their lives so it's like I'm not doing this by myself it's me and you Jesus Right. and Jesus you're the one who's on the firing line to be Lord and counselor and helper to the person who's coming in mm-hmm. But I think pastors, if they have credibility, they already already have trust built in in a very positive way. Uh, And generally, pastors are free. People expect pastors to counsel them. Now, we should be, relatively speaking, experts related to discipleship and helping people with becoming more like Christ. And I think ultimately, that's the that's the God intention for our lives. In fact, that's what Romans eight says, mm-hmm. and ultimately that will be fulfilled when we get to heaven. Uh, but I think that in terms of care of souls and my concern for people, uh, I'm as a pastor, I am shepherd, and I want to sh- shepherd the sheep that God has put underneath me and be a a, a good shepherd. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means I need to live with the sheep. That means I need to know the sheep. I need to walk among them and let them see my life, which means that I, I, need, to, I need to do things well. Mm-hmm. Not perfect, because I, because I think that uh, too many pastors feel like I can't be vulnerable. I can't say, you know, I struggle with this or I've, I've glitched this place or that place because then people won't respect you. But the truth is, that if we are vulnerable, we're more approachable because people put us up on a pedestal mm-hmm. and we're the high and holy ordained or whatever yeah. minister, you know, and we're like special. Yeah, and
0: infallible. The, yeah, that's right. Very and, qualified. And the answer is no, <laughs> nope.
1: my feet are clay, the The foot or the, the, the land around the cross is flat, you know, there's Ooh, no like higher that. or lower. You know, all of us come and kneel before the, the, the feet of yes. Jesus. Yes, yes. And, uh, but I do think that uh, if I can be vulnerable, then people see that and they're attracted to that because mm-hmm. they're coming with problems and challenges and difficulties. And as Christians, we're not supposed to have any of those things. You know, we're supposed to walk above. Right. The water, not on the water. We're supposed to walk above the water. Yes, we're very sanctified. And yes, that's, very much so. And if you if you're not, <laughs> there must be something wrong with you. All you all hear the sarcasm, yes? Okay. And, yeah, please do. <laughs> please uh, hear our sarcasm. The, the, but the truth is that, uh, you know, people come with problems in living, mm-hmm. and we have a perspective that we have in in the context of of being their pastor, being their shepherd, and and it's out of love and care and concern for them. I think that pastors, uh, they have something that professional counselors don't have. We have the right to initiate contact with people yeah. when we see a problem developing. And so if you see brother and sister, so and so, and they look like they're struggling in their marriage, it's real easy for me to to come up to them and put my arm around their shoulder and say, look, I noticed this going on. I'm not sure what's going on. but." I want you to know I love you I'm praying for you is there anything I can do to help
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't have to wait till it gets so bad that they're ready to get a divorce mm-hmm. and then they come in to see me or they're they're struggling with something in their life and i can I can go there and be there. Pastors are available twenty four seven for emergencies yes if something happens Uh, particularly in smaller churches, the pastor is on the firing line to be there and go there and and be Mm -hmm. with their people. We're there in the good times and the not-so-good times. We're there for the birth of the baby, and we're there for the death of the Mm -hmm. saint. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in that context, we have a tremendous opportunity there uh, to step out and, and be there for our people. We also have the resources of god and the bible and the, and we have the church behind us and and wise pastors energize the church to do care i mean you're taking my class in pastoral care yes. and that's one of the pieces of that puzzle uh, it's called pastoral care but really it's helping the pastor not do all the work that's right. that's the <laughs> ephesians 4 thing you know right. uh, i train people to do the work of the ministry yes, i don't equipping. do all the work
0: right right
1: that will kill a pastor yes if they're responsible for and and from you know church growth perspective once a church gets to be 100 and 150 they need to add staff
0: mm-hmm. to, to function in to that function
1: role. to grow the church and
0: to be the ones that say hey i noticed this yes. maybe they're in a small group together or mm-hmm. within their department youth mm-hmm. or kids or yes or yeah.
1: Things like that. So and larger churches like the Oaks have mm-hmm. to get smaller. And you mm-hmm. do that. You yeah. do that through a variety of, of ways with with uh home teams and et cetera. Sunday school mm-hmm. classes and, and all of that. But I think that uh I, I never want to minimize the the value and the power of the minister, the pastor. Mm-hmm. We are professionals. I was vid- visiting one of my Parishioners in the hospital, and I was sitting there. And the doctor came in, and I I started to excuse myself, and the and the parishioner said, "No, please stay." And so I I, I waited there. He did his whatever uh, feedback related to their condition, and I I waited till he left, and then I I I said, "Well, I, I need to go because he took fifteen or twenty minutes, and mm-hmm. I'm." I need to do yeah. other things. So I prayed for them, and I walked out the door, and the doctor was standing there waiting for me to come out. And he said, I don't appreciate the fact that you were in there. I don't want pastors to be in there when I'm talking with my patients. And I said, well, I'm I'm sorry, but my parishioner asked me to stay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll tell you what, I'll let you be the doctor if you let me be the pastor.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: and I didn't back down. Wow! Because I mean, he's in—it's his—he's in the hospital, hospital room, all that stuff. He's the doctor, but
2: yeah.
1: that doesn't negate who I am. That's good. And my ability and my authority to be a shepherd to my people, and nobody has a right to take that away from mm-hmm. me except God. If you—if you move me someplace, that's great. But if you, I'm—I'm I'm ordained here and anointed here and I will do my job.
0: That's very empowering. I I was going to ask you actually about the, that sometimes there can be an intimidation. I would think I would be that I would have been intimidated by that. I think, well, who knows in this, in the moment, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: actually I've been in moments like that where the Holy Spirit just totally empowers me and I think, I can't believe I just stood up for for Mm -hmm. the person like that or for myself. So who knows? But in hearing it it's kind of a frightening thing to think about how you can how you would confront something like that um, well
1: yeah and, and i think that you know i was just honest i wasn't mm-hmm. mad right he was right. mad i wasn't <laughs> mad i just let him know hey here's where i'm at mm-hmm. and if you don't like it get over it because i'm not going to change for you
2: mm-hmm.
0: you have kingdom work to do <laughs> that's right that's right do you, did that for you did that come out of some experience maybe some trial and error error Or have you always been that way in in valuing that pastoral calling?
1: I've I've always valued that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, in the Middle Ages, you have three professions. We have a Jew in professions Mm -hmm. now. Everybody's professional. But in the Middle Ages, you had three professions. You had law, divinity, and medicine. Interesting. And all three of those required... um, an advanced degree in those areas—a master of divinity, mm-hmm. a, a degree in law, a degree in medicine—all of them were three years. Mm-hmm. The, the medicine thing has gone to four years because there's so much more now to to figure out and do. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I value that reality that I am a professional and. Come on, we're Pentecostals. We don't mm-hmm. want to be professionals. We want to be anointed and led by the Holy Spirit. You know how professionals are. They're
0: they're rigid and strict. That's and right. Boring. And, and,
1: and the truth is, uh, I I've been that sometimes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Even though yeah. I'm Pentecostal, but <laughs> right, I think right. that I think that uh, recognizing who we are hmm. and not backing down or not feeling you know like I should be ashamed of that, and that's where. If I know what my responsibility is, then I can do my responsibility, but then I can refer people to others who do things better than I do. In other words, as a pastor, I'm a generalist. Mm -hmm. I mean, I specialize in uh, preaching, perhaps, or teaching. I specialize in this area or that area, but I know a lot about, uh, I know a little bit about a lot uh and like
0: a family like a family doctor is right. not a specialist right yeah a general practitioner mm-hmm. that's a good hey i got it from you, analogy. So yes, you i did. actually just got it from your class notes <laughs> i'm listening sure yes, good 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 what's well, a great analogy it's working. It's great, yeah it's working
1: <laughs> but so i i think that uh one of the challenges that comes with pastors is feeling responsible when we can't be mm-hmm. uh and we have to be really careful
0: uh, that can put you in a bad position yeah. or in and, and your, chur- your and, church, your church as a person really
1: if, that you're. If I, if I am not trained to do something and I do it, that's called mal- malpractice. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes particularly pastors who are in areas where there aren't very many resources end up doing things that they're really not qualified to do. It's kind of like the, uh, the accident on the side of the road and you stop to render aid and i'm going to you know i'm going to put the tourniquet on or i'm going to apply pressure or i'm going to do cpr uh but i'm not going to treat the person i'm going to get them to the hospital or you know mm. call 911 and get the ambulance there yes. that kind of thing and i think that you know sometimes we as pastors take on more responsibility than we should and i i think that that can create terrible consequences for us and for our church and for the person that we're that we're working with and so we need to recognize our limitations and accept those limitations right i mean i'm not god god is god and i don't know everything god knows everything and and the nice thing about having the church behind you is that you have resources in the church as well so you can refer people to the resources that are in the church or you can refer people to people who have in uh encounters with others out there that know you know it's like uh, what family doctor should i have well i i don't know talk to sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so they have a family doctor mm-hmm. and they can make a rec- recommendation yeah that kind of thing
0: okay i i'm going to tell you something that i have struggled with and and so i'm going to ask you a question about this and it is that you know when you when you say no i know i cannot any longer handle this, I'm going to resource you or, or send you to someone else who's better resource for this. For me, I, what I want to know from you is the way to identify those properly. I think for me, a fear is sending someone somewhere where maybe they will even dismantle a belief system or how about this? Someone is dealing with uh, a, a physical healing type thing and, and they're emotionally struggling with it. I wouldn't want to send that. We were talking earlier before this podcast. I wouldn't want to send them somewhere where they are being told, actually, it's your faith. That's the problem. You don't have enough faith for the healing. Or you don't have enough faith, um, and that's why you have anxiety. It's your fault. And so my fear, or alternatively, maybe actually what I need is some of that spirit empowerment and um, not wanting to send someone somewhere that's saying, this is absolutely a physical problem, uh, nothing to do spiritually. So how do you... Figure that kind of stuff yeah, out. Yeah, I
1: think that's a really, really good question. Uh, for me, and even as a professional counselor, but as a pastor, uh, some things have an organic cause. Mm-hmm. No amount of counseling is going to fix that. Uh, the analogy I use is I mean, if you have a broken arm, do you go to the altar and have somebody pray for you? And, and the answer is yes, please do. Mm-hmm. But then, if you don't get immediately healed, go to the doctor. The doctor will set the bone, put you in a cast. Six weeks later, they'll take the cast off, be careful, and do the rehab that you need to do to get it back up to speed. Mm -hmm. Um, So, it's like, I wanna work with the medical profession. I wanna Mm -hmm. work with professional counselors. Uh, In terms of referral resources, I think that um, one of the things that I want to do is check out the referral resource. I'm going to interview them because I'm sending them my people. I want them to come back better than when they went. Yes. We had two uh, psychiatrists in uh, Minot, and one of the psychiatrists was absolutely – against any faith experience. He felt like faith and religion was uh, toxic for people's mental health. Mm-hmm. And we had another guy, a uh, psychiatrist, who he, he knew that, that uh, commitment and, and religious resources were a strength for people and, and helpful for them. I would never refer any of my people to the one guy, mm-hmm. ever. If they came and asked me, now if they came and said I'm seeing this psychiatrist, okay, I, I realize where he's coming from and I know that I need to be careful or watch that he might be trying to, to uh, talk them out of their faith. Mm-hmm. And I wanna, I wanna be proactive as their pastor to let them know. Uh, but you know, interviewing, because if you're charging $80 an hour, and I send you one of my people, you're making money. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that they're going to get what they're paying for from perspective. Now, in Texas here, we have Christian counselors of Texas, and uh, those individuals have been, um, uh, how do I say it, uh, screened. Mm -hmm. They're evangelicals. Mm -hmm. They're born again, and they believe in in Christ, and they're going to hold— steady to the doctrines that we hold mm-hmm. steady for. And so they're not, if you send them to one of them, then you're not gonna end up with a, a negative consequence. Uh, but all of us, as, as even as counselors, you, we have what's called scope of practice. Have I been trained in this? And if I haven't been trained in something, then I'm not gonna try to do it. Mm-hmm. One of my staff members just went for the first session of EMDR training. Uh,
0: Can you say what what does that mean?
1: Eye movement, uh, EMDR. It's it's uh, using eye movement related to trauma. Okay. And I I, I know enough about it to be dangerous, but uh. I would never <laughs> try to do that with someone because I haven't been trained in it. Mm-hmm. After, so as an example of something a, you would, as an example of mm-hmm. yeah. See so. Um, it flowing out of that, then, what I want to do is screen to make sure that people are getting the help for whatever they have. Uh, I think that uh, a medical referral is always beneficial. I mean, the joke, I think I tell the joke in the class, in the lecture, uh, somebody comes in and they, they just went to the doctor and they, they found out that they have a brain tumor and they come in pastor. Oh, pastor, I've got a brain tumor. I want you to pray for me, but would you operate on me? Mm. (laughs) And I'm like, yes! I've always wanted to open somebody's head and look inside and push on things. And and obviously...
0: That's not your place. That's not something
1: that I would even begin to think about doing. Mm.
0: That's so important because I think sometimes either in our own pride or in our own desire to help, but not knowing we're getting in too deep, that is, a, that is something that is uh, maybe a tendency or a temptation to do.
2: Yeah. To say, mm-hmm.
0: ooh, i like reach next level. I think I wanna tackle this. Um, or I, I really need to help and I don't know where to send them, so I guess I'll try to tackle this. You know? yeah.
1: And so. that becomes potentially toxic because when you get in over your head and then you realize that, what do you do?
0: Yeah, well, yeah you've just made a big mess and
1: then then you you're gonna have to refer Mm -hmm. one of the things that I encourage people I did when I was in pastoral ministry was you know you you have this going on in your body and they haven't been to a doctor say go to the doctor find out what's really going on here so that we'll be able to pray for you more specifically for healing rather than a general oh God heal anything and everything's wrong Mm -hmm. And they go to the doctor, and they find out that whatever it is, and then the doctor has an opportunity to treat them. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. uh, In the book of Acts, uh, Paul is traveling to Rome, and there's a shipwreck, and he ends up on an island. And uh, he and uh, Luke are there, and they begin to minister to the people. And there's two words that are used in the Greek there— one of them is a healing word and the other one is a medical treatment word. Mm. And that's extremely interesting and powerful that the combination is there because Luke, the physician, mm-hmm. and Paul the apostle are working together with people to pray for them, to see healing happen and then to treat them. Yeah. They work hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: when when you go to make a referral or or maybe you didn't make the referral but you know that you as a pastor pastoral counselor uh you're seeing somebody who is actually also seeing a professional uh, licensed counselor what are some ways then that the the pastor the minister can still talk with that person but not necessarily interfere with what is happening with the other counselor
1: oh that's a great question i think that when I refer someone to a medical doctor, I'm still their pastor. When I refer someone to a financial planner, I'm still their pastor. When I refer someone to a professional counselor, I'm still their pastor. So I'm going to do my pastoral ministry, but I'm not going to do counseling with them anymore. Okay. So I Because but, I don't want to get into a shoving match or get get pulled in Well, my pastor said this when they go to the professional counselor I don't want to have that happen, or I'm used in a negative way to, or. An excuse,
0: yeah. Well, it makes me think right now of what Dad said I mm-hmm. could do this, or Mom yeah. said I, and they're going. Is Absolute, it a little yeah. bit? We might be causing a little bit of that. Well, we always do that. that everybody as doesn't kids. like I mean, each you other. You have to
1: figure that one out it, when you're growing up to survive, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's
1: <laughs> uh, who true. can I ask for this, and who can I ask for that? Going to get so, me what I want. <laughs> but I think that sometimes people leverage us in a negative way, uh, and they do that when they come in for counseling. Uh, it's like. They're not here for help. They're here for the authority of the pastor to bash somebody.
0: Oh, like pastor said in counseling. That's this. right. That's right. So mm-hmm. yes,
1: and you have to really be careful in husband and wife stuff. It's like oh, I bet if you're, if your husband or wife isn't here, I'm not going to address that issue mm-hmm. because you'll take that back and use that against them, and then there'll be an adversarial thing. And when will, why would they wanna come in and see me for counseling? Right. You, you want them to come in for help, not so gonna happen. In, so
0: in those moments, you are really, okay, so going back to that linear type thing, mm-hmm. in that sense, would you be very intentional to only be that uh, with that person? In other words, we'll talk about the fa- family dynamic, but I'm not gonna address stuff with your spouse if your spouse is not here. Seems like a tricky.
1: Yeah, it, it is. I, th- I think as a marriage and family therapist, I would do that, but I would do that carefully. Okay. And I would, and I would, because I'm family systems. It's like it's not one person's fault. It's both people's fault. So, what are you doing to cause this problem? What is your spouse doing to cause this problem? Uh, and that, that creates a. Um, we're in this thing together. Mm-hmm. It might be 90 10. It might be 50 mm-hmm. 50. But both of you are responsible right. for what's going on. And both of you are responsible to try to figure out how to fix it. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Okay. Um, I'm going to look at. I do have some questions that I really specifically wanted to talk to you about. Sure. One of them actually is personality. And we are, maybe it's always been maybe this has always been really trendy and it just shows itself differently throughout generations but it seems like personality testing and 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 a lot of them are these pop culture types people are taking these personality tests i don't even need to name them you probably know they're taking the ones that are modified they're not actually paying for them they're taking a quick online or they're just following an instagram account that characterizes someone in some way the idea that um well and actually so let me let me keep let me flesh this out a little bit more Mm -hmm. so this is very popular in the in the marketplace but it's also in the church in fact i was reading an article recently where uh there was not not a church but in a marketplace instead of their uh or right where their name tag would be on their office door they actually put their enneagram number and i have very strong feelings about that and and it's because for me a few years ago i had a deliverance experience i really did Mm -hmm. it was a spiritual thing that happened and i recall taking a specific personality test years before and my numbers in the plot was one way but shortly after that deliverance and it wasn't because that thing had happened but it just so happened it was time for me to take it again i think we misplaced the first one but then we found that one and it was different. And um, but I hear taught over and over, "Oh no, your personality's fixed. If you were this way when you were a child, you're going to be that way when you were an adult. So you're a professional?
1: Well, I think that the, the answer to that is the:
0: Maybe it wasn't personality. I'm sorry, maybe it was more um, I don't want to like I don't want to throw personality tests under the bus, but it was more the way a, a well, well it was a personality. way person Yeah, ju- yeah like a well, person does things see, <laughs> and, the, I, processes I, and I things. think
1: that. The, the gospel would say that that's not true.
0: That your personality is not We are changeable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, also, uh, the latest stuff coming out about brain and brain development is, it used to be, by the time you're five, you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Brain doesn't develop anymore. By the time you're 15 or 20 or 25, the latest is late 20s, early 30s, but mm-hmm. then the malleability of the brain and how the brain, nature, and nurture, my brain and my experience create transformation for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the anecdotal saying what you feed grows. Hmm. What you mm-hmm. starve dies. Mm-hmm. So if I feed something, my choices, and and who am I? I'm, I am nature, nurture, and choices. Hmm. so I come to Jesus and I have a new nature new nurture and I'm free to make new choices Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and so I think that one of the challenges with the personality stuff is that this is a this is a snapshot of who I am when I take the inventory Mm -hmm. and and that that's good hair day bad hair day for me no hair day (laughs) that kind of thing and so I think that if we yeah. if we make it a videotape of my life, then I've lost the ability to grow and change and mature. And here's what here's what happens: some people use that as an excuse.
0: I'm just this way. I'm this way. I'm sorry, I'm needy. I'm very needy. Yeah, you have to accept this. I'm like, an introvert.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm just going to be an introvert the rest of my life, and you got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Well, introverts can know Jesus and love Jesus and serve Jesus, but Jesus calls us out of ourselves, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that I'm going to become an extrovert.
0: Right, right. No,
1: but it does mean that in certain circumstances, I can move past that. I need a lot of alone time. I can be with people a little bit. Or I need a lot of people time. I can be alone a little bit, introvert and extrovert Mm -hmm. definition.
0: Yeah, getting energized from the... For right, me, I, yeah. I'm kind of like right in between. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm energized from people, and then other times I'm like, actually, I think I need a, a minute. And so for me, the seasons would be when God is my obedience to God. If if there's a season where I'm to not be, that's that's for me stepping out of, you know, yes, w- what I would consider uh, nature, mm-hmm. I guess, natural mm-hmm. for me. So
1: so I so again, I think that you know it's trending and people, but I'm I'm concerned that that would freeze us, and then, well, what can I do? Mm-hmm. That's just who I am. And the answer is the unfolding process of God working in our lives is to conform us to the image of Jesus. And I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a different member of the body of Christ than you mm-hmm. are, we function differently. I can be okay with me. You can be okay with you. And we can be okay together. Right. It, sameness isn't very good right. in a body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so there's diversity. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's very, a very powerful piece of the puzzle. Uh, and uh, people who know who they are and are fulfilling the calling that God has on their life are happier, healthier more at peace Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you don't run into stuff you know what is it in the world you will have tribulation be of good cheer i have overcome the world or and sometimes it's in the church
0: oh my goodness (laughs) you will
1: (laughs) have tribulation this is a true
0: story (laughs) Uh, because (laughs) corinthians
1: says the church was out of control and paul was trying to help them get Mm -hmm. back into in in control but (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) uh boy! i
0: just shared uh with some of our leadership well actually all of our leadership students uh, last week my um a little bit of our experience when we were pastoring a church uh elsewhere and uh it was very interesting some of the things that came to my mind as i was speaking thinking this was a this was filled with tribulation and um sometimes you know it when you're in it but then when you step out of it and and you're in in a healthy place for a number of years and you look back it's it. I I look back and I think only by the grace of God and some lots of patience from my husband and a very nice family, <laughs> you know, did I make yes. it through that. So I understand that mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in this world and in the church, you will have tribulation. Yeah, take
1: heart. I, I like uh, you know. Paul is headed toward Jerusalem with an offering, and uh, he stops in Ephesus, and Agabus is there, mm-hmm. and he takes Paul's uh, belt and wraps yeah. his arms around. You know. The belt it says the man who owns this belt is going to be taken captive in Jerusalem hmm and uh, that's a that's so a prophecy. much so much
0: for positive prophetic uh, words well but you, yeah but <laughs> no, you, I'm saying like yeah it,
1: it's like and so Paul hears that mm-hmm. and he says oh I guess I shouldn't go to Jerusalem and the answer is no, no. he says you know what I'm going in the will of God yes I'm going yeah. to Jerusalem because God is sending me there mm-hmm. whatever happens there it's in the will of God so sometimes in, and particularly in ministry we have to understand this mm-hmm. that just because I'm because I'm in the ministry that doesn't mean I got to buy on life
0: mm-hmm. right and
1: and on problems and challenges in fact sometimes the problems and challenges are are there to grow me into that that's fruit of the spirit coming out yes the squeezing mm-hmm. It's going to show. Causes way. stuff to pop out. It's yes. like, oh, where is that coming from? Okay, Jesus, I need your help. Mm-hmm. I need your grace. I need your mercy. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. So
0: I, I just told the students back at the same lunch, too, that, you know, when I realized, because someone had asked me a question, about, there, was a, there was a major thing that had happened that was hurtful, and they, I was asked the question, what did you do when you saw that person again? And I said, you want to know what I did? I saw the person in the store and I gave her the biggest hug. And I said, and I actually meant the hug. And I said, it it was truly one of those things where an offense comes at you and things are coming at you, but what is in you is going to come out. And even though I didn't feel very spiritually strong in that moment and looking back, there were plenty of things I could have changed. The truth is, The love of Christ was in me, so when I saw her, I could not help but hug the woman and tell her how glad I was to see her, and I meant it. Wouldn't you know, about a week later this morning, um, one of my children hurt my feelings this this morning, um, and I chose to become very offended, and I thought, I just told our students that you choose to be offended. You pick up the offense, and here I am leaving my house, so totally offended, (laughs) That I had a door slammed in my face when I went to say bye to one of my kids on my way oh to my. work. We are just it's a total process of sanctification that yes, we go yeah. through. And it's,
1: it's one event after another after another. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, that... It that, won't stop. That's, oh. that's great. <laughs> well, you know, one of, the, one of the things, and I think we ch- we're challenged with this, but um, we want to live our commitments, not our emotions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot mm-hmm. of times we let our emotions rule yeah. stuff rather than our commitments. And uh, I'd like to say I always do that, but I don't.
0: Yeah.
1: And so, but um, bringing our emotions under the lordship of Jesus. What is it? Be angry, but don't sin. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be angry. Emotions give me uh, technicolor for my life hmm. rather than black and I white and, and, sh- and mm-hmm. shades of gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, my emotional life is, is a significant piece of the puzzle and mm-hmm. it's, it's out of being created in the image of God because God's emotions mm-hmm. are
0: varied, amazing and <laughs> yeah, varied. Yeah. Yes,
1: yes. So um, again, trying to, trying to work with that for myself, paying attention to myself, and you know it's so <laughs> i like what you said there because mm-hmm. it's like the, the 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 thing that i don't like about myself
0: it just happened somebody else
1: you know it's like oh <laughs> yes i could have had a v8 but no <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that you just made that reference. That's great. (laughs) You made a V8 reference to those commercials. Yeah, when they're all out of whack and then they, I should have had a V8. Yeah, and it kind of normalizes them and makes them. I feel like I have to explain this commercial because I know not everybody (laughs) has Right, it's not up, Yeah, I mean, where's V8 now? I
1: mean, I still see the commercials out there, but it's a different kind of commercial. Because they got all kinds of V8s that you can Mm -hmm. get.
0: Oh, I try to... Commercials are everywhere. I try to avoid them, but you just cannot. They're just everywhere. And what I've noticed, too, is in with social media and, mm-hmm. and the younger people who are using it, as soon as the adults get in and they start to market within the social media, they jump to a new platform. And as soon as someone figures out I can advertise here, they jump. They don't like it. Nobody, nobody wants to be marketed to yes. that way. So, yes. yeah. Anyway, I really like your V8 <laughs> reference.
2: Thank you. I want
0: to tell you something else I noticed, too, in your story about you meeting your Sue. Um, it's interesting that you went all the way up to, to visit and she wasn't there. Because I think some people listening now might be thinking, Where, why didn't you just text like why did you oh. why did you drive all why did you drive all the way to that city and not know well that's the thing that's not how we communicated back At, then and then you pulled over the car and he he waved you down right and he yes, pulled over your car yes. he didn't text you or call right. you
1: because there were this is 1971 <laughs> yes and uh, <laughs> let's see long distance calls were 25 cents a minute Mm-hmm. and gas mm-hmm. was 29 cents a minute 29 uh, cents a gallon a gallon yeah so
0: yeah different very
1: different context very different culture
0: well yeah and so that phone call would have been really those long distance calls would have been pricey Mm -hmm. and you didn't have call waiting not then no did you yeah my mom grew up with a, what's called a party line oh yeah so you know did oh, yeah. you have that shoe sure. and you could actually kind of pick up your phone and listen, and listen. And yeah <laughs> can you explain what that is because i'm not going to do it justice but because <laughs> i brought it up will you um explain <laughs> to our listeners this is going to be fun yeah. little detour in so conversation. uh
1: because of the phone system at that time uh people had the same number uh in 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 a context, so there would like be on like a street or in an five, yeah, five mm-hmm. or 10 phones on the same line. And you knew that it was your phone number, or they were calling you because of the rings. Mm-hmm. So you got one ring or one long and one short, that kind of, almost like Morse code. You
0: want to give a sound effect?
1: Uh, I don't know that I can do that. <laughs> like, bree, bree. <laughs> uh, No, this was just a, just a, no, this was, <laughs> the, you didn't have ringtones. You just had a straight, like a ring. No, no, ring, 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 like an old time phone. Okay. That's the way it was. So Okay. Hey, I made you do it. I made you do the sound effect. You All right, you got me. So you, you, the person who was his phone number was. They picked up the phone and they answered it, but then if you pulled it up as they were and they put your hand over the, the, the mouthpiece. Mouthpiece. Then you could listen in on conversations oh if you goodness. wanted to do that and but then you if
0: you weren't a very good person. Yes. So
1: <laughs> but that's back when it was a neighborhood and everybody knew everybody else and mm. then
0: dynamics are so different now. They are so different. I mean now they you are. don't even really know your neighbor. Or everyone or if you even go out I was gonna say not people don't even go outside sometimes, especially in Texas in the summer. Correct. No one's trying to go outside. Unless you have a pool in the backyard, then what you're doing is going in the backyard so you never see your friend in the front yard, You know, unless it's yeah. fall for the one day that we have
1: fall. Yeah, that's the, that's the tragedy of our culture today. We've, we're so technological that we've lost the human piece mm-hmm. of the puzzle. I think that uh, breakdown of the family, uh, the struggles that children have with being, feeling connected and being connected Um, the safety and security of home Mm -hmm. and what that means and all of us are are wired for belonging all of us are wired for connectivity in fact i mean the the first crisis in creation was not eve eating the apple or whatever it was Mm -hmm. the first crisis in creation was god looking at adam and saying it's not good for adam the man to be alone Uh, because we were created, and and sometimes, you know, we have this, it's just me and you, Jesus, and I'm going to walk this by myself. And the answer is, there are times when we have to do that. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, we are adopted into the family of God. We're part of the body of Christ, and that's because God wants us to be connected to one another as brothers and sisters, as elders and youngers, uh, so that we can be we can do life together in a very powerful and positive way Mm -hmm. families that eat together
0: stay 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 together together. and argue at the table but i mean what i didn't just say that but you know that (laughs) yes that's not a bad thing the point is yeah oh no yeah you're right because then issues come out and that's okay yeah
1: and and how do you learn how to argue
0: (laughs) yeah at the dinner table that's you know (laughs) so much at the dinner table
1: Well, again, you
0: do need to learn it at home. That's right. I mean, the
1: the fellowship of -hmm. of husbands and wives loving on each other Mm -hmm. in front of the kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if they say ew. Yeah. In (laughs) fact, that they say that ew is Mm -hmm. is like a good thing Mm -hmm. because like TMI, TMI. Yeah. But the fact is I want to I need to have that. I need to see that because. Modeling is the, one of the most powerful learning ways that people learn. Mm-hmm. And if children learn that husbands and wives love each other, care for each other, are attracted to each other, that they have private time with each other where kids are not allowed, mm-hmm. uh, then flowing out of that, that creates a, a context. And, and it makes a difference in, in the in context of uh, boys and girls growing up. Mm -hmm. and having a a father and a mother Mm -hmm. to model and uh, folks on the family's got a lot of stuff out there research that they've done where girls who have a father who is involved in their life manage better Mm -hmm. boys who have a father in their life manage better Uh, so the father the father is an important piece of the puzzle and how many tragically how many families Mm -hmm. are fatherless or there's a father but he's an absent father Mm -hmm. he's there in name only and breezes in and breezes out and doesn't have any kind of connection with that Mm -hmm. that's a whole different that's
0: yeah that could be a that that could be an episode right oh boy (laughs) that's a that's a lot
1: to talk about that could
0: be a post-retirement conversation that we have
1: (laughs) well you know hey i
0: you'll have some free time maybe
1: might have some free time (laughs) more free
0: I don't know. I'm not sure. I, you might be filling that up.
1: My wife has a list
0: oh. and it's growing mm-hmm.
1: related to my retirement. Oh,
0: that's what you need to do. So, your wife's list. That's, that's what right. what you need to do. You know, I noticed that back to the, the family being together thing. It is the most interesting phenomenon that happens when Brian and I, if we're in the kitchen, we have an open, our living area is open. So if we're in the kitchen, you can still see from the living room in the, whatever, that's just it actually. But- When we hug, if we hug, it's like we become a magnet and suddenly, shoop, 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 and all the children come and join us and they get this giddy look on their face, like, it's time to love each other. It never fails. It's really neat. So even that sometimes they will be like, ew, like maybe if we give each other a kiss, might be like, Mm -hmm. ew. But sometimes they'll say, I want one too. And suddenly we have this beautiful family moment where we're all seven of us just together yeah. now the teens may not they're kind of like starting to break off from that which i think is okay i, I guess that's they're starting to grow up we got to yeah. send them off at some point mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. um the the little ones but group hug
1: i mean how powerful is that <laughs> we're a family we yeah. love each other we're connected to each other and and the kids want that that in fact yeah. they hunger for that and if they don't get it at home the devil's got somebody out there
0: yeah he does To meet
1: that need in a destructive way, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that and that's where kids end up having challenges and Mm -hmm. and difficulties and problems. Mm -hmm. So,
0: no, I think you know within family, but then church too. Our community is so important because there are just very real times where maybe the the husband has died when the when the children are very young, or or the or the wife has, or you know other. Traumas that can take place, yes. but yes, as the body of Christ, and that is also and, too why yes we have different personalities yeah. and roles, and
1: that's the power. I mean, uh, fictive grandparents—they're not blood relatives, but mm-hmm. grandparents. What, what did are you call them? Fictive. Oh, fictive. Fictive. Oh, okay. As in, like they're they're fictional. Yes. Okay. But they they're not real in terms of blood, but mm-hmm. they function as grandparents Mm -hmm. and you and you have that in the church they'll adopt a family yeah and it's like come over to our house you know and and they'll do special things for them and you have the same kind of thing in in the context of single parent families where other families will connect Mm -hmm. and you have you have ministries where the absent parent is filled in with a surrogate Mm -hmm. group of people that are going to put their arms around and care for and guide and direct.
0: Yes. You know, I'm thinking right now, like church and feeling like home for me. Now, I I did have both parents, uh, but still in other senses, going to church felt like going home. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a healthy church is going to be when the, the body's all fully functioning. The pastor has equipped the saints So these saints can do the work of the ministry. And then when people come in, it just feels like home. And and when when you're home, you're healed. When you're home, you're being fed. When you're home, you're being loved. And when you're home and you have that, you're able to then go out. Like when we send our kids to school, they can go to school in confidence, knowing that when they come home, they can recharge. Yes. But then, and speaking, the metaphor of the church is we can go out into the world. We can evangelize. We can always come back ministry.
1: Yes, absolutely true.
0: Yeah, church is a beautiful place. It it is. I love it. I I really appreciate you talking to to me about pastoral counseling, too. I think you've given some great information. And for those listening who are in that role or who will be in that role someday, you've given some excellent warnings, but also really excellent guiding points that are going to help them along. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Sue, for
1: having me. It's been fun, and I've really enjoyed uh, having the chance to talk with you. We'll have to do this again sometime.
0: Yes, bring Sue. <laughs> bring Sue. We have a coffee uh, pot. Wait, I don't know. Is she going to be, be?
1: She would talk a lot. Uh. And then I wouldn't have to be. No, she wouldn't. Uh. I'm, I'm, I'm hey, teasing. Send
0: Sue on a separate time and then we'll all come together and then we'll have like Brian come in and we can just have a couples talk. You know so that'd
1: that? Be fun. That could work nicely as well. I think that actually would be really neat. (laughs) That would be. Well,
0: thank you. Hey, those of you who are listening, thank you for tuning in. And I hope you have a wonderful week and that you join us again next time. Bye everyone.
1: Bye.